the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, it's the Rob Black Podcast. You can hear Rob live every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and talk910.com. And now, Rob Black and your money on the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 910 AM. Here's Rob Black. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Welcome to another live and exciting show from the heart of San Francisco, July 15th. The day after Bastille Day. Hopefully you had a great Bastille Day and stormed the Bastille, so to speak. I don't even know what that means. Anyway, and anyhow, we got a good show for you today. It's a professional show. We're going to have Jeffrey Ma on the show today. Uh, Mr. Ma is, t- is basically tied to the movie. You might have seen it, 21, and bringing down the house, the book that was based on that, tied towards M- MIT and counting cards. Um, you know, I'm an amateur card player. I am an amateur card player. I like playing single deck blackjack. Uh, do pretty well with it. Do pretty well with it. Uh, but this guy's a hardcore numbers counting kind of guy. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about numbers and talk about businesses and bottom lines, so to speak. Uh, a little late in the show, got Kim Commando. We're going to be talking online porn. If that doesn't make you uncomfortable to think about already, a woman who's basically kind of a, a cougar and me going to be talking online porn. I'm already blushing, so uh, it's going to be that kind of show. I got some good stock ideas for you today. There's no doubt about that. We can talk about the stock market. The stock market's had seven up days. Now, keep in mind, right before it had seven up days, it had nine out of 11 bad days, down days. So what do you what do you make of this, and, and how do you give it credit, and how do you give it merit, and how, do you even care? Uh, summer doesn't really mean that much to me. Summer, what ultimately comes out of summer for me is not much. So it's 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 not an exciting time on Wall Street. It's not a focus on Wall Street. A lot of traders are at the beach. A lot of investors are at the beach. <laughs> that whole staycation thing is finally said and done and put in place and gone. So we're vacationing again. So that's out there. Uh, anything that you want to talk about, it's easy. It's easy. It's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. If you're afraid, if you're afraid to call the show, Jump on Facebook. I've got a group page there. I hate Rob Black. It's a group page. I hate Rob Black. Or drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com. But let's start the show by looking at the stock market. New York Stock Exchange opened today. Labor Department said new unemployment claims dropped to the lowest level since August 2008. That's good news. It's not great news. It's good news. And it's moving in the right direction. Dow's down 82, though. NASDAQ down 18, S&P 500 down 9. We have a weak manufacturing report. Keep in mind, economies tend not to move in straight lines uh, forever. There's months where there's some time taken off. A lot of people think that we are headed towards a double-dip recession where we contract our services and we contract our manufacturing. A lot of people think that we're headed for a slower, slower growth than what we're historically uh, used to. Um, but it's clear that the stimulus didn't stimulate the economy to get back on track to its previous glory. 
So we're, we're going to be recessionary or we're going to be kind of a eh, anemic 2% GDP type of growth. So, and that's not bad. That's not, you know, it's not awful. It's, it's not good, but it's definitely not bad either. It's kind of neutral in my mind or creates more of a neutral environment. So uh, that's what we're looking at. So elsewhere today, the Senate cleared a sweeping bank regulation bill for final passage on Thursday. Fox News Radio's Rich Johnson reports from Washington. The vote to end debate came after Alabama Republican Richard Shelby voiced last-minute concerns. This bill will result in higher fees, less choice, and fewer opportunities to responsibly obtain credit. Co-author Democrat Chris Dodd says not for lack of trying. But we believe we've done the best we could under the circumstances. To see to it, we never have another bailout of a major financial institution at taxpayer expense. But Dodd also admits we won't know how good the bill is until the next fiscal crisis. On Capitol Hill, Rich Johnson, Fox News Radio. So ultimately, the Senate voted 60 to 38 to end debate on that bill. And that paves the way for a full vote, which is expected at about 2 o'clock Eastern time this afternoon. So coming up, we have a clock here that says 20 5. Something bad happened at 20.05 because every clock on the floor died at 20.05. It's one of those weird sci-fi woo. So uh, anyway, 11 o'clock coming up in about an hour. We should get another vote on that. And uh, maybe it's all done and wrapped up. All things considered, not such a bad thought. So let's talk a little bit about what we need. It's, it's clearly well-defined from an economic perspective. What's wrong with the world right now? Europe is cutting some of their social spending. Europe used to be known as the nanny state, the nanny state, because they took care of you. They let people retire at incredibly young ages, like 50. They look at us working to age 62 and they go, you guys are mongoloids. You guys are freaks. So now they're starting to have to work till age 52, 54, 56, 58, 60. A little later in the show, I'm going to show you some of the actual cuts that you're actually seeing in Europe. So Europe's got some cuts on social spending. Asia's got... An incredible focus on China and Asia's other problem is China's a good problem to have. It's got growth that could be inflationary, Uh, but it's, you know, we want to watch that inflation because inflation's bad. Inflation's devil. Inflation's not good. If there's one boogeyman out there, it's not Jason. It's not Freddie. It's it's inflation. Uh, No doubt about it. It's bad because inflation hurts our ability. What we can buy with our dollar, it eats that way at it. So, you may think a million dollars is a lot, but let's say in 30 years when you retire, it costs a million dollars to have lunch. It's not that much. So inflation is the devil. So the big thing that we're focusing on right now is is jobs. Indiana Congressman Mike Pence told the White House that the stimulus bill didn't create the millions of jobs that they're taking credit for. All the calculations and reports from the White House are not going to change the fact that their economic stimulus bill has failed. Hmm. <laughs> Incited figures from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that since the stimulus package was passed, we've lost 3 million real jobs. President Obama heads to Michigan today to make a speech about the economy and be part of a groundbreaking ceremony for a new battery plant in Holland, Michigan. Okay. Okay. So uh, I guess the lesson that I want to pass on there, it's a pretty clear one. And that lesson would be our government doesn't really create a lot of jobs that we want. Our government creates jobs that are public employee jobs, not a lot of private sector jobs. We need the government to instead of say, because they kind of go hand in hand, right? You're, you're a private employee. You, have, you work at your own company or let's say you work at Cisco or IBM or Oracle or Microsoft. You're, you're on the private side of the fence. You don't work for the government. So when the government creates government jobs, you need the private sector to make a lot of money to basically pay for those public sector pensions and public sector 
retirement funds. Now, again, the public sector is going to move more and more to a 401k type system and less of a lifetime pension type system. That's going to happen, and it'll make working for the government a little less attractive. So we'll see how that plays out for us. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's all about the jobs. What we've learned, and I think we've learned this very, very clearly, what we've learned what we've learned very, very clearly is that um, government, you know, you can throw a trillion dollars in the economy and it doesn't create a lot of private sector jobs. Th- those are the ones we want. So it's like um, those are the, the great A clients. You know, how sometimes as a business person, you, you call your clients A clients, B clients, C clients. The A clients are the private equity jobs. So that's the big stories out there today. That's what we're paying attention to. I'm uh, taking, again, uh, a, a look at the market today. and We're trading a little bit lower. It's okay. Dow's down 81, NASDAQ down 16, S&P 500 down 8. I'm not upset by that in any way, shape, and or form. It's okay for me to have a down day on the market, and I think it's actually quite normal. So Europe and Asian equity markets, they took their cues from the United States, and they, they moved higher. So J.P. Morgan had a great set of results. Um, they had ups, uh, upside to their earnings, but one of the problems is that they lowered their credit provisions and a stock buyback. Um, suggest pretty good trends for the credit trends, but they moved some money from reserves to cash. So it looks like they earned more money than they actually did. They had money in reserves in case the banking crisis got worse. It didn't. So they they started moving it. And so their earnings look pretty good, but they're kind of bogus earnings. But they did say they're going to do more of a stock buyback, and Wall Street loves stock buybacks. So that's what we're focusing on. Um, Let's see what else here as far as big issues. Yeah, $500 million stock buyback by J.P. Morgan, comfort level with its capital position. That's showing you some confidence. Financial sector is dominating the spotlight right now. Goldman Sachs is in discussion for a settlement with the SEC. That's expected sooner rather than later. There's a news report suggesting the Basel Committee on Banking Supervision may adopt new rules that are less strict than some had previously thought. So banking stocks are on the move today. Um, the improvement in initial claims. So every Thursday we get initial unemployment claims. And once a month, we get unemployment numbers. But the improvement in the initial claims uh, to 429,000. Now, again, broken record. If you've ever listened to the show on Thursday, any number over 400, not so good. Um, Any number under 425, it's starting to be the right number. And this is at 429. This is the best number that we've seen in about two years. So there was a jump in continuing claims, i.e. people, when they're unemployed, you have to get unemployment. And then you get continued unemployment for a second round of unemployment benefits now, the downside is that number jumped. There's 4.6 million people who are continuing their claims, i.e. they're not finding jobs. And that's not good. That is not good. But again, this is a, an economic report that there's some good news in and there's some bad news in. The euro and the pound strengthened today. Uh, European stock markets traded higher. So we're, we're trading a little lower. We're breaking the trend of following the leader around the market. Dow's down 77. NASDAQ down 16. S&P 500 down 8. Let's take a little bit of a break here, but when we come back, I'm going to be talking with Jeff Ma, author of The House Advantage, playing the odds to win big in business. Um, you might have seen the movie 21 based on his writings, bringing down the house. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's Rob Black and Your Money, the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 910 a.m. Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 9, 10 a.m. And now, Rob Black and your money. The show is Rob Black and your money, and of course, I am Rob Black. Working our way towards the end of the week, keeping an eyeball on what's happening on Wall Street, keeping an eyeball on what's happening in the world of politics with financial reform being debated and, and voted on today. 
So far, Wall Street's saying eh, the reform wasn't that much, and we feel comfortable in the banking stocks are moving higher. Joining me now, though, Jeff Ma, the author of The House Advantage, Playing the Odds to Win Big in Business. Jeff, how are you today, sir? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm, I'm well. Now, it's interesting you're, you're a celebrity in a funny way because <laughs> you counted cards. And I like to call it a pseudo-celebrity. Pseudo-celebrity, super smart. Like, a lot of our celebrities aren't smart like you are, Jeff. It's a little bit – congratulations. On being smart or on being a pseudo-celebrity? Being a pseudo-celebrity because you are a smart guy. So, <laughs> Well, thank you, I think. I think so, too. And again, i am just got my foot in my mouth. Now, um, give us a little background. Give our audience a little background on who you are so we can start there. Yeah, sure. If uh, any of you guys are familiar with the movie 21, um, I was the real-life inspiration for that movie and the book Bringing Down the House. Um, over the course of about seven years, myself and some of my MIT teammates, we were able to go to the casino and use math and statistics to beat the casinos for upwards of about $5 million. Now, when you were using math and statistics, did you did you play a particular game? Were you open to all the games? Or? Oh, no, we played blackjack and blackjack only because that's the only real game in the casino that's beatable. It's the only game that has something called conditional probability where what you see impacts what you're going to see. And that's sort of the main lesson or, or one of the first lessons that I took with me to the business world outside of blackjack is how to use the past or, or data from the past to predict the future and to gain an advantage over your competition. So when you play blackjack, and I'll, I'll drop this whole gambling thing in just a second, uh, single deck blackjack or multiple deck, can you do both? Um, you know, it's really multiple deck that we focused on. Certainly single deck is good too, but uh, there's a lot of scrutiny that is placed at you when you are playing single deck. So we tended to focus on six-deck shoes. We played in teams, as you've kind of seen mm-hmm. in the movie 21, and that made it so that playing at the, the multi-deck games was actually better for us. Okay, I'm with you. So I'm a single-deck guy myself, and uh, I, I tend not to bring a lot of emotion to the table. I tend to be very uh, – I, I try to slow the whole table down. I tend to try to think things through and uh, just play by the numbers and play by the odds, so to speak, or play by what they say is the book. Um, gut feelings, though, tend to play a lot in, in business and get to play a lot into gambling. You, you're not a gut feeling kind of guy. Yeah, well, I mean, you would be the exception in terms of the person at the table that isn't playing emotionally. I mean, I think that one of the things that Blackjack illustrates, or, or our success in Blackjack illustrates, is that you have to be very dispassionate when you make decisions. You have to be unemotional, and you have to play by, as you said, the book or the rules. Um, when people get into business, they tend to get emotional. They have a big loss. They look at um, you know a situation and, and maybe have a little bit more success than they expected, and and again get emotional. And so, it's it's best to to stay with your system and to focus on you know a, a winning system that you know. Um, and then, as far as you're talking about with gut and and intuition versus sort of traditional decision based or evidence based decision making, I think that you know for me. If I'm going to make a decision, I'd rather have some evidence behind it. Then it doesn't have to be perfect, but I'd rather not ignore that evidence and just go with you know some some feeling that comes from my stomach. Okay, so I'm speaking again with Jeffrey Ma, author of The House Advantage. You can go get the book right now while we're talking at Amazon.com. Playing the odds to win in big business. So you've turned uh, a life of of cards and life of being smart uh, into some advice on on businesses. And, and ultimately, what I'm getting from your book is 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 be analytical, be like a scientist, and, and, and stay within your, your your qualities that are good. Yeah, I mean, I think that what I've tried to do or, or get, get people to do when reading the book is to 
think a little bit more um, systematically about the way they make decisions or about how their businesses are going. And I try to use examples that really resonate with people. So whether they're gambling stories or sports stories, they're stories that everyone can understand. So the idea of thinking like a scientist is don't just accept you know, results the way they are. Figure out why you got those results. Because if you just accept them, you're not going to be able to repeat them. But if you actually get into the core of why those results happened, then you're going to be able to repeat them. Then you're going to be able to understand when something like that might happen again or how to make something like that happen again. Now, from reading through your book, The Religion of Statistics, part of the, the chapter one, um, it instantly made me think of Billy Bean. Billy Bean, who runs the Oakland A's as general manager, and he, yep. statistics. He's all about statistics. He, he, he'll trade for a player that no one really – it doesn't have a lot of star power, but then he fits in the system beautifully. And I see that you've worked with the 49ers and the Trailblazers using advanced statistics. Give us a little bit of color on that. Yeah, for the for the Trailblazers, we basically did a, a simple project where – we use college statistics to help them understand which players they should predict. Uh, sorry, which players they should draft each year um, in the NBA draft. With the San Francisco 49ers, we're much more focused on their in-game decisions, trying to help them understand, you know, when to challenge a play, uh, when to take their timeouts, etc. And in both cases, all that we were doing was helping take data from the past to understand what decisions they should make in the future. And you know, if you you know, you brought up Billy Bean, and, and Billy is is I talk about Billy quite a bit in the book because Billy was sort of one of my inspirations when writing this book, and and is a friend of mine. You know, you talk about Billy, and one of the things that make Billy successful isn't necessarily that he's this brilliant mathematician, but he's a guy that understands the value of using statistics. But he he also uses other things within his decision making process. But he understands that value, and I think that's what makes him successful. Speaking with Jeff Ma, author of The House Advantage. Now, clearly what can work in statistics with sports, we've seen it work with Billy Bean. We've seen it work with what you're talking about, advanced statistics. But how about money? Can you can you use statistics? Uh, there's a lot of guys out there like Louis Navalier who are known as quant guys. Right. They don't even know the company's name. They just see price-to-sales ratios, price-to-earnings ratios, margins, right. trends. Can you make money investing, Jeff, uh, just focusing on just the numbers? Yeah, I, I mean, I, you say just the numbers, and, and I think that that's where we are, are going to probably have a little bit of trouble in the discussion, because I think that, you know, what people do when they look at numbers is they hope that somehow they're going to be perfect, and, you know, I, I have some magic formula where if I focus on P-E ratio and, and, you know, volume or market cap, that I'll have a system that will always win. Um, you know, it, it, that's not the case necessarily. I mean, some people can do that, but what what I'm espousing more is creating a system that helps you be more object, objective and is another data point for you to ultimately make your decision. So if you have a way right now, a strategy for investing, certainly we can help improve it by giving you a way to, to look at data and to look at, you know, PE and incorporate that into your decision-making process. So I'm not saying necessarily that that's the only way, but that should be something that you add into your process. I'm not great with all the words, so correct me when I use this incorrectly, but um, during the Super Bowl, there was that, that second-half start where the guy did the onside kick or the team did the onside mm-hmm. kick. No one yep. expected it. No one expected it. The odds would say, don't do that. You still have plenty of time to get back in the game. How much do you allow, Jeff, in the world of business and in the world of gambling or in the world of numbers, how much do you allow for uh, fluke surprises? Well, what's interesting is you bring that up and you say no one would have expected that. No one um, – that was such a risky thing. But it, it's an inter- interesting distinction that the data and the numbers will tell you about that play. And you're, what you're referring to is Sean Payton going for an onside kick with the New Orleans Saints at the beginning of the second half of the Super Bowl. A surprise onside kick 
is recovered historically 25% of the time by the team kicking. So, yes, that's very risky. But Sorry, a non-surprise onside, an average onside kick. But a surprise onside kick, as this was, is actually recovered 60% of the time by the kicking team. So the data would actually show you that Sean Payton's decision wasn't quite as risky as you'd think. What I would like to call that is a calculated risk. He knew that actually if he did it a thousand times, 600 of the times he was going to recover. So it was definitely a risk that was well worth taking. And in the end, we saw that he was rewarded. Now, I'm a fairly successful business person, done well on Wall Street and done well with my career, but I don't have a lot of emotions, Jeff. I tend to tell people I'm not, I'm robotic. I'm not I don't get too greedy. I don't get too fearful. But that also hurts my relationships in my life, Jeff, because in my relationships, I'm not very compassionate. I don't get too emotional. I don't get too greedy. I don't get too. How can I be a better person? How can I be more well-rounded outside the business world? That's a that's an interesting question. Um, You know, I I think that the the key to that is is that there is personal and there is business. And a lot of sort of what I talk about and what I espouse is is very much uh, business related. Mm -hmm. And when you get into the personal realm, I think that you have to understand that that you can't boil it down to numbers. I mean, there there is more than that. There is, you know, there's things that you can't control. There's things that um, you would never be able to model using numbers. And I think that that's an important part of being successful using statistics is you need to realize the limitations of them. So for me, you know, I don't take this framework into my personal life. I certainly and, you know, I'm not going to decide on who to marry based on a spreadsheet that I put on my computer. It's, it's all um, – it is definitely something that's limited, I think, to your, to your business life. Well, I think you're actually very good at it because there is a cliche, Jeff, of, you know, MIT nerds who can't be social, but you're incredibly charismatic. So you kind of break that mold if you tend where I go with that. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's – you know, and, and I, I appreciate that. I think that's, you know, very flattering. But I think that that's the key to sort of what I'm trying to do with this book also, which is to create, you know, I think a lot of the work that's been done on this type of subjects, you know, statistics and using numbers has been a little bit on the, on the drier side and, and has been a little bit more on the academic side. And I think you're right. I mean, I think one of my strengths isn't necessarily that I'm going to sit and lock myself in an office and um, pour over a spreadsheet all day. It's that I can, you know, create these stories and anecdotes and explain them and hopefully present them in a way that's that's very approachable to people because I try to be approachable as a person. So that's that's kind of been my goal. So I, I appreciate that you recognize that. Absolutely. And your book is incredibly approachable. So let me endorse it. And thanks very much for joining me, Jeff. It's Jeff Ma or Jeffrey Ma. The book is The House Advantage, Playing the Odds to Win Big in Business. Um, good read. Easy read. Approachable read. It's not going to intimidate you. The House Advantage by Jeffrey Ma. Rob Black and your money. The Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio 910 AM. This is Rob Black and your money on the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio 910 AM. And now, Rob Black. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Coming up in about nine minutes, I'm going to be speaking with the digital goddess, Kim Commando. And we're going to be talking about online porn. I find her to be an attractive woman over the age of 40. So I'm going to be quite embarrassed because I'm speaking to a mature woman about online porn. So that's coming up in just a few minutes. But first and foremost, let's talk a little bit about this whole Apple situation because this is big in the news. Apple's going to have a release or going to have an event tomorrow. On Friday, Steve Jobs is going to address the problems. I think it's Steve Jobs. Apple's trading down three and a half today, sitting at two fifty. It's had a low of about two 
247, so it's been a little bit lower today. And recently, it's it's pulled back. It's given up all the gains that it had from the run-up of the i4, uh, iPhone 4 release. So the company's expected to address the, the reception problems. So in a surprise move for the uber-cool, always-right, ultra-chic Apple, they're going to hold a press conference tomorrow to talk about the iPhone 4. Now, Apple's spokesperson, Steve Dowling, said that the company will hold the event at 10 a.m. in their headquarters at Cupertino, California. Now, Apple's really faced, it's just faced a ton of increased criticism recently tied towards the reception problems. Problems with the antenna, they were discovered in the early design phase uh, by one of Apple's senior antenna experts, a guy named Ruben Caballero. Now, he's basically told executives at that time, before the iPhone 4 was released, that the design may cause reception problems. So it was known beforehand. And it wasn't stopped. It wasn't delayed. So Apple introduced the iPhone 4 on June 24th. Massive, massive success. They sold 1.7 million phones in the first three days. Fastest selling phone in company history. Now, users started to instantly have problems with it. But you know what's actually kind of interesting is users, they're not complaining that much anymore. It's like a problem, but they don't really care. They're living with it. It's just like a pesky bug bite. You know, when you lose your leg in a car accident, you go, it's just a pesky bug bite. Bug bite. Um, it's just like people don't care about the reception issue, even though it's a phone. I don't get it. Now, Apple's problem got obviously worse when they dismissed all the criticism. Um, you know, Apple files, as they're known, they line up for days and days and days for the company's newest devices, and they buy new versions of their phones, the iPods, even when their old ones work fine. So Steve Jobs... You know, originally said iPhone 4 users should just avoid holding it this way. Massive, massive PR disaster when you hold your phone a certain way and he goes, well, don't hold it that way. That's kind of insulting, right? But ultra cool, ultra chic. We're like, oh, you're right. We, we'll, we'll change the way we hold our phones. Anything for you, Steve. And then they had the PR disaster after Steve said that where, you know, the company apologized. And, but they said... The issues with software and not the antenna, a bad formula ultimately estimated signal strength on the screen wrong. So they were stunned to learn that that formula didn't work and they're going to go with AT&T's. Well, ultimately what happened here is that was a PR team that just panicked saying it was a software problem when they know it was a hardware problem is just stupid. It's just bad business. So Odds makers in London, you know how odds makers will let you bet on basically anything in London? You could bet on, you know, whether or not Obama's rating, favorable ratings go up or down. You can bet on who's going to win the elections and, you know, things along those lines. You can bet on anything kind of crazy. So anyway, right now there's odds two, two to one against a recall. Two to one against a recall. Uh, meaning a bet on a recall would pay you $2 plus the initial ones. Those aren't good. Now, those odds are six to four to six, meaning a winning bet of a buck would pay a buck sixty six if a recall were to occur. So it's starting to move more and more so towards a recall. At least that's what the betters think. So Apple has to do one of four things here. And for the record, this is a PR event. This is not a stock event. This is not a stock problem. You're talking about, let's say they did a massive recall on everything. Well, that would probably cost them about one half of one cent in earnings. Now, they could continue to deny, 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 deny a reception problem exists. I don't think that's what they're going to do. They could issue a recall or a silent recall where they basically say, I ah, just bring it back into our, our stores and maybe they'll do a swap out for you or something along those lines. 
So, and not more of a, a far-reaching uh, recall. Uh, they can offer a free iPhone cover, try to address the reception problem, where ultimately if you put like some black electrical tape around the phone edges or where you'd grab it, problem goes away. It's, it's when the human skin touches the metal that it becomes conducive uh, and problematic. So, Or they, they can release a software update, of which there's rumors out there that that software update is ready for developers today. So I don't know. I'm not positive what direction they go here. My assumption is that they're going to give us free cases and change change the phone going forward. So ultimately, in my opinion, this is a no-win solution. The company has to admit fault. That's not good. Or worse, they issue a fix. Or doubly worse, they issue a recall. So this is the first time that Apple stumbled. And it tells me that the company's human. It tells me that I need to be careful. I've got a sizable asset investment inside of Apple. I feel comfortable with it. But this is the first step towards falling apart. This is the first step towards becoming, you know, has Apple lost their swagger? They came to public too fast with this. They came to public a little bit too fast. And there's also some growing issues out there on, you know, why won't they, why won't they work with Adobe? Come on, guys, open up a little bit. So some people are starting to get a little bit more. You guys used to be cool. Remember, uh, um, Recently, John Stewart did a, a piece on Apple. You guys used to be the rebels, and now you're just basically douchebags. Um, there's got some truth to that. So psychologically, are we starting to change? I think we are just a little bit. And again, I'm not telling you to panic. I'm not telling you to sell your shares. But I think this is the first sign that things are starting to go a little bit against Apple and that uh, they aren't as cool as they used to be. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Don't be shy. You can go to my Facebook page. It's a group page. It's called I Hate Rob Black. I hate Rob Black. Uh, so just go to your Facebook login, search for I Hate Rob Black, or search for Rob Black. You'll probably find it. Um, also, email rob at robblack.com, rob, R-O-B, at robblack.com. Don't be shy. Coming up right around the corner, Kim Commando and I talking porn. Man, am I uncomfortable already? The Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 9, 10 a.m. Hi, this is Rob Black from Rob Black and Your Money. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 9, 10 a.m. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. It's Thursday. So it's, it's time for the one, the only. Miss Commando, Miss Kimberly Commando, digital goddess. How are you, Kim? I'm terrific. How are you, Rob? I'm doing pretty well. So doing are pretty you? well. Yeah. I'm, Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm hanging in there. It's, I'm getting through the week. When's your vacation? I don't get vacation. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> it's it's the most ridiculous thing in radio, Kim, that I'm not allowed any days off. <laughs> you, know, you know, my management won't let me replay my shows or do best ofs or record new shows and do them later. No, not at all. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's You're me. You're just a slave to the microphone. Slave to the microphone, or the air chairs, I like to refer to it. But that's enough about me. Let's talk about you. Well, I ran across the story, and I know that you like porn. Then it made me think of you. Thank you. And so I'm going to, so let me ask you, which nation leads the world in searching for online porn? Percent, is it percentage-wise percentage or volume? Uh, percentage-wise. Ooh. Ooh. I'm gonna no, actually, it. volume. No, volume. Volume. Okay. Is it is it America? Is it Russia? Is it Europe? Is it China? Well, Europe's not a country, so I'm going to exclude that one because that's a trick question. Um, yes, that's true. 
I'm going to guess it's Russia. No. No. Mm-mm. Okay. Do I get a second guess? Okay, one more guess. France? No. Mm. Ooh la la la. I don't know. Is it the it, is it the cliche United States? No. You're not going you're not going to believe it. It's Pakistan. Pakistan. Well, that makes sense. Pakistan is responsible for more porn searches than any other single nation. And they are the number one per person in searches for, and this is a Muslim country, by the way, they are the number one person in searches for um, child sex, horse sex, donkey sex, dog sex, and animal sex. Number one. Okay. Okay. And all this comes from unbiased sources. It's uh, Google Trends. I don't know if you've ever looked at Google Trends. But if you go to google.com slash trends and you could do some search parameters is that you can figure out, like, what's hot. Like, everybody right now is searching for the Mel Gibson rant, right? right? But this Google Trends and Google Insights, they keep track of popular global search terms. Uh, by the way, Pakistan also leads the world in searches for camel sex. <laughs> You just but like you just like saying donkey sex and camel sex. I do not. I just think this is like. I mean, it's like you know who would have thought? Because now keep in mind that Pakistan has completely banned the content of I don't know, all these different various websites because they say that these websites are far too sexual for anyone to see. Right. But yet, when you look at what their folks are searching for, it's exactly what they're going after. Well, mathematically, it's it's there's a statistic out there about rape. And the two nations that lead the world in percentages of rape per population are the United States and Ireland, also known as the two most sexually repressed countries in the world as far as Catholicism goes. So it makes a little bit of sense on the, the logic side about Pakistan. Well, no, that's, you know, so that's, that's one side. And the other side is that here in the United States, I don't know if you heard that we're going to be getting the dot triple X domain. Yeah, yeah. And I'm ex- actually excited by that because – um, as a person who's got, who has a child, I, I would like all porn to go under dot double triple X. Um, but well, I that's guess not, that's not, not going to happen. Though. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was the intent, but that's not going to happen. And so, what's about to happen is that, you know, we'll have the porn sites. They will be at the dot xxx domain, mm. but they're also going to stay at right now where they are, which is on the dot com domain. And so, as well-intentioned as this may have been, I mean, just look for an explosion of brand new, hundreds of millions new additional porn sites. And probably easier to find than ever, if you think about it, because now we know where they live. Exactly. And yeah. so you'll be able to block it, but they're going to... That's just crazy. I mean, you know, it's it's almost as good as the Can Spam Act that they came up with, because that seems to be working for everybody, doesn't have, it? So. Have, you, have, you, have you bought, just to protect yourself, the, the Kim X? Yes, I have to. I I had to buy it. And see, what's what I have to do is that I can't just buy Commando dot com or Kim Commando dot triple X or whatever. You have to have all these different spellings because about I don't know. It's it's like once every two weeks as I get somebody who tries to trade on my name, and then I call it the five hundred dollar letter, and then we have to send them the letter and make it stop. But uh, it it's just very annoying. So if you have a website, um, you have to make sure that you buy the dot. Triple X, and you also have to buy every type of spelling associated with it. So, in case somebody spells it incorrectly, that they still end up where you want them to be. Okay, okay. So, uh, do you, have we wrapped up this topic? Or yep, that's it, all. Okay, changing gears. Apple's yeah. going to have a press release tomorrow. Not a press release. They're going to have a meeting in their Cupertino right. offices. Uh, what do you expect them to do with this iPhone debacle tied towards the antenna? Boy, debacle is that it, right? Yeah. Um, I think they're going to give everybody the bumpers for free. Okay. So that's the... and, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
So that that's the cheap, easy fix. But do you think that's going to hurt them? Have they lost their their cool? They can do no wrong because it, it, now we got a memo that came out that Steve Jobs knew about this before the release of the phone, and, and that's going to piss off some of the people who spend four or five hundred dollars on his products. Well, and also, you know, when you put the bumper on the phone, I'm looking at my phone right now, and it has the bumper on it. Uh-huh. You know, it makes it look schlocky, quite frankly. I mean, you took this beautiful phone. And, you know, if you've got kids, you know what a bumper is. You have this beautiful table, and then you wrap it around with the styrofoam so the kid doesn't get hurt if he bangs his head on it. <laughs> so, you know, so now we've got this beautiful phone with this stupid bumper around the outside of it going, really, is this a good idea? And, you know, the fact that he knew about it, that's really horrible. Um, well, it hurt it. You know, the fact is that it's still a great product. Um, but it's not a great phone, you know, I mean, it's so, but you have everything that's associated with it. I had a friend of mine said he doesn't care that he drops calls because he really likes it. So, you know, a lot of it just depends upon the person. It's, it's stunning to me that you just said that, Kim, because you're absolutely right that here the phone's biggest problem is antenna and reception. I know. And it's a freaking <laughs> phone. It's not just a gadget. It's a phone. <laughs> but, but you know, and then, but if we go back to what, what was the sole purpose of it is to send and receive phone calls, right? Absolutely. Okay. Not to send and receive your email, not to take all these pictures and FaceTime videos and everything like that, but a phone. And it gets very annoying when you go to use the phone and you can't get through. So what's, what's, what's compelling here is this, it's not the sign of the apocalypse, Kim, but it is, uh, Apple could fall off their pedestal because they're known for excellence in design superior engineering they're known for being patient and they're knowing to you know they don't rush but the, but the fanboys will forgive him but in this case they broke their rules they they rushed it their engineering was bad the industrial design was wrong this is this is i'm not going to say it's the four horsemen like the time to sell the stock it's i think it's a buying opportunity on the way to 300 325 but i think we're going to mark this down in history as um like sony started to slip in the mid 90s this is their first sign of slippage yeah, and you know what? And it's 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 not good for them because this is what they're banking their future on. But at the same time, you have a lot of people that will give them a lot of latitude. Now, if Microsoft had done this, forget it. They'd be cast to hell and back, right? Absolutely. Apple does it. We're like, well, it's still a great product. It's still a great phone. And so a lot of it depends upon the public perception. But, you know, Apple is, of nothing else, it's a great marketing company. I mean, think about if they get people to stand in line overnight for their products. We used and their to products about are Sony, good. though, too. Well, not so much. I, you really think so? I, it, I was in my 20s in the 1990s or in my mid-early 30s or something along those lines. I don't even remember the 1990s. But I remember as a, as a dude, Kim, I had to get a Sony stereo. Had to. A Sony receiver was better than everyone else, maybe except for Onkyo. And then the, I had to have the Walkman. I, Sony could do no wrong for a while. And to this day, I still want a Sony TV, even though there's better TVs than Sony now. Yeah, I guess you're right. Right now, they're banking their future on 3D. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so. Which, uh, not so sure about that one. Not the smartest investment. But, you know, Apple, they have they have a tremendous loyal fan base, and this tremendous loyal fan base will forgive Steve Jobs. I really believe that. Now, as far as how they're going to, you know, maybe the next time the phone comes out, people won't jump to buy it, be the first ones in line to let's just see how it pans out. And that's what I would see happening. And that's generally your advice that you give on your, your radio show. Don't be the, the first user. No, you don't want to be the first. <laughs> no, let somebody else figure it out. How about the Droid X? Have you got to play with the Droid X that's coming you on know, sale today, I believe? The, yeah, you know, the Droid is pretty good. Uh, the screen's bigger. The camera's better. Uh, you know, it's it's on a better network. That's for darn sure. Um, 
but it still does. It still feels a little clunky to me. If that makes sense. Okay. Uh, it's just a little bit big in the hand, um, but and it's it's not as smooth and as slick. See, with the iPhone, you know, am I going to keep it even though the antenna stinks? Yeah, absolutely, because I've got it, it works for me in that it helps me keep more organized with my iCal and you know, and with my calendar, and my email, and all this other good stuff. Uh, but then again, I don't have, I haven't had the the problems, but I've got the bumper, the stupid bumper on this phone, so that's where it's at. Okay. Anything uh, coming up on your your weekend show that we need to know about, Kim? Well, this weekend we're going to talk about background checks, how you can do um, free background checks on somebody and really get the dirt. And so when you are when you're introduced to somebody or if you um, just meet somebody or if you want to do a check on somebody you're dating or somebody about ready to hire, instead of going out and paying the piper 150 200 bucks, some of these websites, they lure you in. They say, oh, yeah, we know all about them, but you have to give us your credit card first. I've got a whole slew of free sites. And then, of course, we're going to talk about uh, probably what's going on with the iPhone and, and some new HDTVs that are coming out and a whole bunch more. Well, that's enough to tip me to listen. We can listen to Miss Kim Commando Sundays from 1 to 3 on 9, 10 a.m. Thanks for joining me, Miss Commando. You betcha. Thanks, Absolutely. Rob. So that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be today. Talking porn with Kim Commando. I felt like uh, I like her. I mean, she's she's a good, mature woman to talk to, and uh, I always enjoy my conversations with her. And She's top A, classy professional. always appreciate that as well. Kim Commando, she can be heard on this station from 1 to 3 on Sundays. Uh, then there's like a, a midnight replay, but I can't even possibly promote that because that's just too vague in my mind. Um, let's take a quick look at the market numbers. We see the Dow's down 63, the Nasdaq's down 12, the S&P 500 down 6. Wall Street's off roughly half of 1%. There were some deflationary numbers that came out on manufacturing, even though there's some good employment or unemployment numbers that, that should have offset it. But after seven up days on Wall Street, it's kind of like the, the Jesse uh, Owens. It's a... Uh, Time to take a little bit of a breather. We've been sprinting for such a while. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Show your love. Sign up for my group page. Facebook, I hate Rob Black. Facebook, I hate Rob Black. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. You're listening to the Bay Area's exclusive home for Fox News Radio, 910 AM. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 